Welcome to Bottomless Rugby, the home of boys, brews and sports balls. This is the main event with Dr. Duke and Jason. We talk about the current hot topic of the week, touch base on interesting news, and pick a boykie of the week. If you are a listener, welcome to the Bottomless Sports Network. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider following Bottomless Rugby on social media and podcast streaming services. Uh, with that said, let's get into it. Right, so we've spoken about the amateur, the club side. Uh, let's go move a little bit more towards the professional side and take a look at um, the rugby unions and what they can do. And Jason, uh, you think we should encourage the rugby unions to set up open trials for the class of 2020. Tell me more about this. Yeah, well, something obviously in the, as we've got a more professional, you don't really see happening as much. I think it would be very interesting if all the unions are from Vietnam to Falco or whatever like say to the areas, look, we're going to have open trials. If you guys want to come and, you know, give it a shot to make, to get a professional contract with us, you guys come here and we'll set up a bunch of trials. Obviously, how many trials matches depends on the number you get. You might get more players going for it in like uh, KZN compared to uh, uh, Northwest or Northern Cape. But... You know, you assign the guys into teams, you have the scouts there. You can even have the club scouts there to get the guys that don't get contracts. And you just, you play, 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 you select until you have the best left and you offer contracts. And like, firstly, that gives a lot of the guys who might not have gotten a chance to show themselves. It gives them a chance. Maybe the guys, some guys who are unlucky to be in a third team or something like that. But it will just give yeah all the players who are not contracted and who want to really give it a shot. Give them a give them that chance that they want. And, you know, personally I think it's will be a good thing for the unions as well. So you can get a proper look at all these players. And you can even say, okay, well, unions got these players. If like Sharks want someone who started a Western Province trial, they can even go and contact them. So like that's my I kind of looking at it. So what do you think about that? I think it's it's interesting. Um, yeah, when last have you heard about open trials at a union? You know, like you just don't no. hear about it anymore at all. Uh, I think the last time I've ever heard about, you know, trials and so forth at unions is, you know, before the game was professional. Uh, like I think about when my dad still played, that was kind of how it was, you know, like they would just put out word that there's trials, you rock up, you can play trials. If they're lucky, you get an opportunity. Um, obviously, with professionalism, the structures have changed, and now it's a, a recruitment strategy rather than a, a trials to get the players to come to you. I think this could be cool. I actually think this is not a bad idea in any case, um, simply because some some people do bloom a little bit later, or they might have gone to a school where, you know, depending on the approach of the coach, whether he wants to play, let's say speed over size you might be a bigger guy actually really good um, but you don't really fit the structure that the coach wants to implement so you now kind of go play seconds instead of firsts and uh, yeah like your opportunity in matric to get seen is is diminished Um, so this could be the ideal thing for that sort of a player you know like who just missed out due to circumstance to now have an opportunity to 
at least on their own terms, uh, get the get the opportunity to go and play some trials. I think this could be good. Um, this would also strengthen relationships between unions and um, certain uh, communities, areas, um, schools, so forth. If they're going to do something like this, you definitely need to do it in regions um, where less privileged people, um, you know, would not have had the opportunity to go and play trials. Like it's not, it's not going to help if you go do this in the middle of Cape Town, for example, you know, where just all those guys have been able to go to good schools are able to come to the trials. Um, Because the guys from further regions, they're going to struggle to get there. So that's the only thing I would, I would mention here is like, great idea. It would just need to be implemented smartly so that you can, try and widen your net as wide as possible. Well, I mean, you could do it the same way that they conduct Craven Week trials. Like, they do it within the smaller areas where it's like a couple of schools all go and play, all the players are selected from and go and play the trials match. A team is selected from there, and then they can play in other teams within a, a slightly bigger region, and you just build, build, build like that. Like, that could be the way that they really get into those poorer areas. Uh, and make sure everyone's getting a chance as well. Yeah, that that I think can work. Um, yeah, especially if we're going to have it over a couple of weeks and months. Um, you could probably be like, right, over a two-month period, we're going to target, um, you know, six locations to play trials. Um, and from that, we will select X amount of players to come do like a, uh, like a bigger trials day. And... The way I think they should approach something like this is if you're going to have an open trials in a region, the union should obviously, you know, they're going to send their scouts and so forth. But I think they shouldn't, it shouldn't be just playing trial matches. I think what they should do as well is you kind of run a bit of like a coaching clinic. Um, So the guys actually, you know, do some training with the coaches, coaches work with them as well, because it's not going to be enough to just watch the guys play. Like you also have to determine like like how they approach training, how how they approach difficult scenarios within training, um, how flexible they are um, in terms of uh, being able to adapt to different tasks being asked of them. Um, so I think that could also be good because if that player then doesn't necessarily make it through the trials, then at least they've benefited from you know top level coaching where they then go back to their club. You know, they can also carry on that knowledge to others and incorporate in their own game. I think that could really work. Yeah, because one thing you don't get from trials matches is like the coachability of a player and their work ethic outside of the match day. Like uh, I know a lot of guys, and I'm sure you know a lot of guys who are have all the talent in the world, phenomenal players when it comes to the match, but they slack in training, they ignore what the coaches say and at a professional union you're not gonna want that. So Having the training sessions as also a part of that, that would uh, give more insight into whether the player is compatible in the professional environment because you can't have a guy with a professional contract who, you know, just doesn't really care training and only is there for the matches. Yeah, I fully, fully agree with you on that, you know. Um, so let's say they've they've done these trials and so forth. Um, what, do you, what do you envision then? Um, do you just kind of see this as... Let's say they'll have a couple of trials. They'll then bring bring the top guys in for like a final day of trials. Would this simply be to just get them contracts um, 
And what about those guys who who do miss out? Um, what what do, what do you think could could happen there, or how would we how do we solve that potential issue? Obviously, the for the union setting this up, the primary interest is to get a good crop of youngsters in, and there is a bigger drive for that now that they've scrapped under nineteen league and made under twenty league because they. I saw an article somewhere saying that the units are actually finding they don't, they're struggling for numbers of players for that now. But yeah, it would be good. The primary thing is the contracts. But what I would say you have is you have the clubs in that province or in that region and you have them send uh, representatives through those trials. And even from the first day, if you want, have it known that, hey, if you don't make it here, contact us here we can give you a place to play rugby and enjoy the game and possibly get a chance later down the line. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a thing of the club scouting the players. It can be the players seeing, oh, there's this club. It's not that far from where I stay, actually. I can go for it. And seeing the clubs there, like, actually making effort to be seen, I think would also make a difference. Like, I'm not sure how much more beyond that could be done, but, like, that's what I recommend. Like, it should be the club's also being visible and maybe even speaking to players uh, at these trials as well. Yeah, I think that could be another way to go around it um, where it is essentially an open trials, but it's sort of driven through the clubs. That could be a strategy to to help strengthen the club rugby because um, they can put it out there that, all right, you're not eligible for these open trials unless you are already playing at a club. A simple reason for that could be that um, at least they know if they've been playing for a certain period at the club that you'll get players in that are uh, healthy and already conditioned to do that. The last thing you want to do is just have a random day with open trials and people just rock up unfit and so forth. So there are some some concerns. I think going via the club route might actually strengthen the clubs because then at least you ensure that the players... Um, are one already registered with the club they registered on on the system um, as rugby players um, so all the details and so forth are already captured um, and that way you ensure that the numbers are being funneled through the club system rather than players bypassing the club system to make it to to union i, th- I think that that is the way to go here that would be a win-win in my eyes yeah that would work very well and another way you can get past like the fitness worry is, uh, it's obviously I'm basing it off of the movie where this, I can't remember what it was called, but this like old guy that basically went and got a professional contract as a quarterback. And like he pitched up to the trials and the first day it was like fit, a bunch of fitness tests and a bit of like the skill tests. So you could have that as like the first day of trials and say, okay, we've got this minimum fitness requirement, minimum skills requirement. And you take that crop of players and then say, okay, now we play our trials matches. Like, that's the way you can give, go about it. Yeah. Uh, the movie you're talking about is called Invincible. Yes, yes, that one. That's, that's one. Uh, it, was, it was a cool movie. Uh, crazy to think, yeah, an open trials. But, but you see there, like, the thing that that movie showcased is, is that if you have an open trials for any person to come and do it, um, you're probably going to waste most of your time at the trials because, like, you're not you're not going to get like you're actually hoping to only get you know a couple of decent players. Um, 
Um, and yeah, rightly so, you need to have at least some sort of a fitness drill aspect to it to separate those that are able and those that are not able. The last thing I want to do is put a bunch of guys that are able with a couple of guys that are not able uh, conditioning-wise, and you're going to pick up injuries. Yeah, and you don't want the whole in- a lot of injuries there as well because as a union setting it up, you have to make sure all those guys are tended to. And can you imagine like a bunch of late 30s guys who still think they've got it coming in and pulling a hammy in the warm-up and having to be tended to? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, actually, I really like your idea of um, open trials. Um, even even if it's every, every second year, you just have an open trials day for fun. You know, um, like you don't need to have it just as matches. Um, unions can kind of make like a fun family sport day where they have a whole bunch of like rugby activities, um, stuff. Those who want to take the trial serious, they can do a couple of training sessions and so forth um, with set criteria. If you meet these criteria, you know, we'll consider, um, you know, we'll consider taking you on in the union. Um, and you can kind of have it as like a fun rugby day type thing where people just hang out. Um, you know, those who want to take it serious, take it serious. And those who want to come for a fun rugby day, come for a fun rugby day. Um, make it a bit of a win-win for everyone involved. Because these, these, these guys still have families and so forth. So while they're out there doing trials, let's make it a fun time for, for the family coming out. Uh, to support that youngster and if you're going to do it at um, you know like that last day of big trials at the union itself um yeah union union can 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 do all they can to you know keep players in you know put things like season tickets um up for grabs or some competitions and so forth uh try and try and get the families to to stay involved long term in the union as well because that's only going to encourage uh, the youngsters to come and try again, even when they don't make it. Yeah, that's a, and that would also uh, improve the whole good vibe at these events that we are kind of lacking currently in our rugby in general. And it could be a good, a good like tester for the audience to see what does work, what do people like. Maybe we can introduce that on match days. Yeah, definitely. I th- I think uh, this pandemic is creating a lot of opportunities. Um, to kind of change the way we approach things and try and find better ways, um, you know, to make rugby available to the public and like get people value for money at the end of the day. So if they feel that their, their union is actually really um, involved in their community and supporting the community, then the community is going to come back and support you every single time. It's going to happen. Exactly, man. Exactly. All right. Any final thoughts on our hot topic of this week? Mostly just I hope that there will be efforts like these made to actually help the 2020 uh, class. Like even if it is just bolstering the clubs so that they can better take these guys. I think it would be a big shame to let a full generation of uh, or a year of talent go to waste. And I think there is a danger in South Africa that we do pump out so much talent that the guys up top might say, ah, it's just one year. Will it really affect us that bad? And I think that would be very, very bad for the players. Yeah, for me, it's it's quite simple. Um, if I don't see, you know, rugby administrators doing what they can, you know, for the matrix of 2020 next year, then um, I would have lost a lot of faith in our rugby structures um, because 
The time is now to show how much you actually care about bringing young players into the system. Um, because this is quite unprecedented. So that requires um, steps that we would normally not take to, to try and accommodate them. So let's show the youngsters that the system is actually there working for them, bring them in, accommodate them, because um, that will show the, the other youngsters coming up the ranks still that, yeah, there is really a place for them within the systems. Uh, try and get the clubs better incorporated and Clubs need to once again be a proper viable uh, route for players to get to professional rugby down the line. It can't just be school um, and either you're going to make Craven Week, get a contract or not, and then varsity is your only other option. You need to give kids more options. 100%. All right, let's end it off there. That was our hot topic for this week. All right. So let's take a quick tap and look at some of our interesting articles of this week. First up, all right, um, this is an article that came out posing the question, would Super Rugby be missed next year? Jason, do you think Super Rugby will be missed next year? Of course it's going to be missed. Like People have been saying that competition isn't what it used to be, but it's still a step above and more exciting than like what a lot of the Northern Hemisphere has to offer. Obviously, there are some exceptions, some matches, but the running rugby and the fluidity that you see at Super Rugby isn't really matched uh, in a lot of places. And, of course, as missing out on playing New Zealand side and thrashing the Australian side, you know that's going to that's gonna be a bit of a bummer. So I think, of course, it's going to be missed. I think it's silly to say it otherwise. Yeah, I think it will be missed. I will miss it. I mean... It was something that we did grow up with. As much as I want to see us go north, um, you know, I was kind of hoping we could be in both tournaments. But, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, this does seem to be going away. I will miss it. There's just something about Super Rugby matches on a Saturday morning and so forth. Um, yeah, and it's also quite something when you, uh, from a South African perspective, when you can start watching rugby from 5 in the morning on a Saturday till like, late in the evening. Um, yeah, that's kind of going to fall away. Um, but yeah, I will miss it, but I won't miss, um, you know, this structure they had the last couple of years. Like that I won't miss. Um, and I won't, I won't miss playing the Crusaders either. <laughs> yeah, I will miss playing the Crusaders. It's always good playing against the best. Um, okay, but speaking about the Crusaders, right? So Crusaders boss, Scott Robinson, apparently very keen on coaching with Irish Lions coach Warren Gatland. Uh, what do you think is his thought pattern behind that? I'm just thinking he saw Gatlin 0 and 8 and just said, look, let me help you out here. So let me just give some assistance. <laughs> you don't want that to be 0 from 11 with this Lions tour. I feel that um, this is Scott Robertson perhaps being a little bit salty that he didn't get a, a shot at uh, being New Zealand coach. right? Because this is the biggest thing in rugby next year or at least between the World Cups, this is the biggest thing out there. So I think I think he's eyeing this as a potential stepping stone to an international coaching job. Because if he can get on board there and they do well, even if they were to lose the series against the box and they play well and you know everyone just gives good feedback um, for Scott Robinson, I think this could be a big step forward in his career. Well, he is wanting a new coaching job. He has been 
like looking, obviously not saying it blatantly, but he's done everything that can be done with the Crusaders. I think he wants his next challenge. And if he, if you can get like on that coaching panel with the British and Irish Lions and maybe, you know, England or Ireland decide, hey, we need a new coach, bam, there you went. Yeah, I do think international rugby is the next step up for him. Right, uh, then our last article. All right, so Marlande Yarde has, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Um, but, right, so player that the sales sharks has revealed that death threats has been made against teammates. Uh, this is obviously, I think, um, you know, referring to the South Africans and with all the backlash that has created with um, our sports minister even you know, wanting an inquiry to, to find out what's happening there, why they didn't kneel and so forth, which I think is just outright silly. Right, but now some some of them have received death threats. Um, Jason, do you think this is acceptable behavior? Definitely not. Like, that's one of the issues social media, the anonymity, is that you can throw up a fake account and send death threats to these players and not receive any backlash from it, but they get the very big, psychological burden and you can imagine how their families are feeling because no doubt they'll be including those threats just by association it is despicable behavior and that's not what the movement represents i'm not by no means an expert on the movement but black lives matter is against violence and excessive violence and now they're threatening death these are these guys don't represent the movement they are extremists and they are idiots on social media but no this is unacceptable and if they can find who these guys are they need to be brought to justice because that is a criminal thing. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I definitely think that, yeah, these are likely extremists. Um, but on the other hand, it might be um, agents, you know, trying to sort of discredit the movement. For all we know, the anonymity yeah. of the internet really does make it ambiguous as to what the true intentions are. Um, but nonetheless, I think this is... Um, going to be taken as um, like a blip against the movement and it might make more people decide, no, I'm not going to kneel anymore um, because this is not acceptable. I was actually thinking um, the team should actually make a bit of a statement and no one should kneel the next match. And when asked about it, they should say, well, we are receiving death threats and we don't agree with that. So we're now basically taking a stand against that. Because it's really not acceptable. The team should not uh, not let it slip that you know their fellow team play, teammates. Because here's a guy who is supporting the movement, but he now needs to deal with the movement he's supporting, putting death threats out to his teammates, right? So think about what position that puts him in. You know, so how can you now still expect him to fully support your movement? if these sorts of things come out, like even the ones fully supporting the movement are going to think a little bit, whoa, this is not acceptable, right? And there goes your momentum, which isn't what the movement should be looking for at this stage. Yeah, there needs to be a thing of publicly stating that is not acceptable, that does not represent what this movement is about. Like as much as you don't want to change focus away from what you're trying to get accomplished, silence on a matter like this is... That's the wrong step to take. Yeah, 100%. So I honestly feel the way to go is to try and convince them to take a knee. Um, Threatening them is not going to work. That is not the strategy to take. Uh, Forcing anyone is... Like once you force something to do something your movement demands, 
the, the motives are no longer sincere. They are just doing it for the sake of doing it and they're not actually supporting you. Um, so be smart, don't threaten people, like don't, don't be that guy. Alrighty, um, so we're going to end it off there for today's episode. Um, you can leave us a comment or voice message on Anchor. Tell us uh, what's your opinion on these matters. Uh, we also want to send a big shout out to all our favorite boykies. And then for all the listeners, thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the main event. And please consider following Bottomless Rugby on social media and podcast streaming services to stay up to date with the latest content. So until next week, stay away from your boys, wash your hands often, drink lots of water, and stay safe. Cheers.